today is the Sunday, which is between the Feast of the Ascension and the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of the Ascension is celebrating that the Lord Jesus Christ, after he rose from the dead, uh, spent 40 days appearing to his disciples on and off. Uh, and after those 40 days, he told them, meet me on this mountain. And he went and he met them there at that mountain. And he ascended in the flesh. His body ascended to heaven. So as his body ascended to heaven, they all were looking up. And uh, Jesus, before he ascended, he told them, wait in Jerusalem. The, the Bible says, and in many different versions, it says, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And so they did, and they stayed in Jerusalem until Pentecost, which we celebrate next Sunday, 10 days from the Feast of the Ascension, where they received the Holy Spirit, and it said that tongues of fire were seen sitting upon their heads, each one of them, and they were endued with new power. And at that time, the Feast of Pentecost is a, it was also um, a, a Jewish feast, and so many people were coming from all kinds of different places. His, history tells us 72 different nations or more were gathered there in Jerusalem at that time. Jews who had been dispersed into all the world had come back to celebrate the feast in Jerusalem. And after they received this new power from on high, they preached. And as they were speaking, um, people asked them what happened. They saw that the house was shaken and all of this. And, and when they came and they asked them what happened, they started to tell them and to preach. And each person heard him speaking in his own language. And many other signs and wonders and beautiful things were done by them at that time, all attributed to them having received the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus' command to them in this time that is between the Feast of the Ascension and the Feast of the Pentecost is tarry in Jerusalem. And I'll tell you the truth. When I read a word that I don't really understand or is not part of my common vocabulary that I use all the time, um, I tend to just go look it up in another version, see if it was translated differently. Well, I looked it up in many different versions and... In a lot of them, they use this word, tarry. So I went and looked it up to try to see what it means. It means to sit in one place. Very similar, it would be the, the same verb that is used to say that a, a, a king has sat enthroned on his throne. So the king sits, he's not going to get up and run and go get himself a glass of water and get up and go, you know. This king has sat on his throne, he needs something, people will bring it to him, right? He is... He is here, he is in his place, he is sitting, right? This is where he belongs, right? Now the funny thing is that the same word is used for the Holy Spirit resting on their heads. Jesus is telling us, he's trying to tell us this. Look, I want you to learn a new behavior. Those of you who are like me, who are like a little scatterbrained and a little bit all over the place and a little bit, you know, you know, um, uh, people, um, someone in my family without mentioning, mentioning names, not my nuclear family, my, my father. <laughs> um, we call him Mr. Ants in the Pants because he can't sit 
in one place for very long. He loves to get up and do something. He has to be stimulated all the time. He's incredibly intelligent and he needs to use that intelligence. God is telling us all something. Us, Mr. You can tell him that when you meet him. You can greet him as Mr. Ants in the Pants and he'll know that it either came from my sister or from me. Um, uh, and God is trying to tell me, Mr. Ants in my Pants, that Sit, stay. He's trying to teach me a new behavior for a very particular reason. You'll notice in John 15, the word abide comes up eight times. Eight times in ten verses. Like that's almost like every sentence Jesus is telling his disciples. If you abide in me, my word will abide in you. And if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. And that word abide comes up again and again and again and again. Jesus is trying to teach us a new behavior. He's trying to teach us a new behavior. He's trying to teach us to sit and to wait with expectation, with apprehension, not in the sense of worry or fear, but in the sense of looking forward, deeply hopeful and looking forward towards something. And that's what we read in the Catholic epistle. St. Peter was saying, he was saying, like, I give you, you know, I give you props because Jesus, whom you have not seen and you love him, you haven't seen him and you love him and you're waiting expectantly for his coming. I respect that, St. Peter is saying. And St. Peter is saying that you, he's saying this, he's writing, to, he's writing to people who are being actively persecuted at that time. He's writing them a letter of encouragement. What does he say? He tells them, you who are kept by the power of God through faith, to be revealed in the last time. I tell you, one of the most powerful verses that's had its impact on me was in the Catholic epistle today. You, you all, who are kept by the, pow by the power of God. So if I, if I am going out of town and I say, uh, you know what, I, 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 you know, I only have one, one spot uh, for like uh, one car on my driveway and we have two cars. Uh, uh, would you mind, you know, David, would you, would you mind if I lent you my car for the week so you could just park it wherever, use it as you like to use it and so on. I'll be back in a week to get it back from you. My expectation is that you will keep my car in relatively good condition, right? My expectation is that is that, you know, I'll get it back, you know, the same way as I left it with you, right? I'm not expecting to get a full tank, I'm not expecting a car wash, but I am expecting to get it back, right? And I'm expecting to get it back in somewhat of a similar condition to what I left it to you in. I'm expecting that you will keep it, that you will watch over it, that you will preserve the integrity of it, that you'll, I don't know, put your definition to what that word keep means. That is what God is doing for you and me. So you don't have to worry. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry. I can say, I'll tell you, don't worry from now to kingdom come. I know it helps us not, doesn't really help us that much not to worry. But think about it. Think about the fact that St. Peter is telling us, you who are kept by what? The power of God. Not by your own power, but by the power of God. Through faith. How do you get access to this security? How do you get access to this? By believing that God will keep you. He will take care of you. In as much as you 
expect when you lend something to somebody that you will get it back in similar condition, especially something perishable, something that's here today, gone tomorrow, something that's, you know, my car is nice today, it's going to be a rust bucket in a few years. How about you, who are, of, who are eternal, who are an image of the Almighty? How much more valuable are you than a car or a watch or this or that or whatever you might lend to somebody expecting to receive it back? God Himself, by His own power, is keeping you. So then we're good, right, St. Peter? He's writing this to people who are getting ripped out of their houses and executed, fed to the lions in the first century persecution. So we're good, nothing's going to happen to us, right? St. Peter says, no, that's not what I said. I said you are kept by God through faith to be revealed in the last time. How much God has kept you and protected you and preserved you will be revealed in the last time. I'll ask you a question. When Jonah, when Jonah decided to run in the opposite direction, Jonah, nice guy, good guy, right? Great guy. God tells him, go to this city, tell them if they don't stop defying my laws, and they were pagans. They were the oppressors of the known world at the time, the superpower oppressing the known world, right? He tells them, go and tell them that if they don't stop disobeying my laws, I'm going I'm to kill them all. They should repent. They should turn around and not and stop doing that. Jonah thinks to himself, well, it wouldn't be so bad if God fried them all. They would stop they would stop oppressing the whole world, right? And Jonah runs in the opposite direction. Now I want to ask you a question. Did God know that Jonah was going to run in the opposite direction? Okay, forget about Jonah. Yes, he did. He prepared a, he prepared a whale to save him from drowning and so on, or a, a great fish to save him from drowning. I want to ask you another question. Moses. Did Moses know when he was the son of Pharaoh, when he lived in the house of Pharaoh, that he was the one to deliver his people from the hand of Pharaoh, yes or no? Yes, he did. In, 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 when you read it in Exodus, in Gen in, um, when you read it in Exodus, it, you, can't, you can't really tell. But when you read it in St. Stephen's address, in his defense, in Acts, it says, knowing that he was the deliverer, he spoke to his countrymen and told him, why are you fighting? And his two countrymen said, oh, and will you kill us like you killed the Egyptian the other day? And so he fled. When he found out that people knew, knew his crime, he fled. I want to tell you something. Does God not know your life? Does he not know your decisions before you've made them? Whether he likes them or not, whether they are according to his will or not, whether they would, are by his choosing or not, he knows. And he has prepared, he has prepared for that. And that very thing that he has prepared is exactly, is exactly what we are waiting for. Like St. Peter when he's telling them, you are kept by the power of God through faith to be revealed at the last time. Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling you and me, in that day you will ask in my name, the gospel that was read today, and I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father 
and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Jesus is saying this. You love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. You believe in me? Yes, Jesus, I believe in you. You will do what I tell you to do? Yes, Jesus, I will do what you tell me to do. Even if it seems a little crazy to you, John, even if it seems a little crazy, Lord, I will do it. So in so doing, in having this little conversation with God, you have accepted to be in Christ, to be with Him wherever He leads you. Wherever you lead me, Lord, I will follow. And thus, everything which applies to Jesus applies to you and applies to me. But it has not been revealed yet. And that's why Jesus, at the end of his discourse with his disciples, this is the last thing he says to his disciples before he goes and prays his final prayer and then is arrested. The last sentence he says to them is, These things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling you and is telling me, Rest, wait, don't get up and run so quickly. Give it an extra minute or two. Give it an extra few minutes in his presence. When you pray, I learned this from my previous spiritual father. He would tell me, when you're done praying, when you're done praying, don't get up immediately. Wait, wait a minute, wait two minutes. Not long, like, not like hours upon hours. Wait for two minutes in God's presence. Sit and wait. See, maybe God will speak to you. You know where I learned that this is so true? I do all this like active listening exercises and all this kind of stuff with all kinds of different groups of people. And they'll tell you that um, a really good way to find out what somebody is really trying to say to you, like if somebody's speaking to you and you don't, you feel like, they're trying to say something, but they're not saying it, and they want to say something more than what they're actually saying. A really good thing to do is just to pause and count to five after they're done speaking. So they speak, and you don't answer right away. You count to five in your head, slowly. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five, one thousand, or to ten. They say to fifteen, but I'm not that patient, so I made it five, right? Honestly, by the time you get to three or four, the person starts talking again. And then when they're done, you count again. One, two, three. And then they, they start talking again. And the person can keep talking and you never have to say anything. And in reality, everything, everything that they wanted to say, as they, as they develop, I'll tell you the truth what it is, folks. People aren't bad. People are great as they develop a confidence that you actually want to listen to them, they start to speak what they really want to say without all the window dressing. I don't think that God is as shy as other people, but I think that we could do the same with God. When we're done, when I'm done jabbering away, I can pause and look at my watch and say, okay, God, two minutes. And sit in his presence, maybe in silence. Maybe he will speak to me. Maybe he will just nudge me in my heart, make me realize, hmm, that thing I said to that person the other day, that wasn't, that wasn't so polite. Sorry, Lord, about that. And then I start my two minutes again, right? And sit in his presence 
tarry in his presence. Sit like a king or a queen enthroned. I have no need to move. All of my needs and my desires are already prepared and planned and provided for. Sit in his presence to wait to receive from him the power which he wants to give you and to give me that we might be the carriers of his Holy Spirit doing his holy work, allowing him to, to be the life giver and spreading life in other people's lives. Then we become the bearers of his spirit, bringing his Holy Spirit to our work, to our school, to our families, to our friends, Everywhere we go, bringing his spirit of peace, his spirit of comfort, his spirit of joy. Let, let us learn this new verb, this new verb, which is not really part of our common vocabulary, to tarry, to sit and wait expectantly, knowing that we will receive, joyful that we will receive, and expectant, with great expectation that we will receive from the Lord. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Sin, forgive me. My brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, please pray for me.